You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. Hey there, friends. Welcome to episode three of Popcorn and Power Chairs, a little series that we do in the show where every other week I sit down and I, I watch a piece of disability-themed media and we talk about it basically together. Uh, I am really happy to have you back for Popcorn and Power Chairs. So uh, get your power chairs in a comfy position, get your popcorn ready, and let's dive in. I love that intro so much by my friend Danny Saldo, who is a disabled recording artist. Thank you so much, Danny, for putting that out there for us. I love it so much. I, today, for Popcorn Power Chairs, I wanted to watch the 2021 movie CODA. That's C-O-D-A, which stands for Child of a Disabled... Oh, no, Child of a Deaf Adult. Although I, I guess you could also have a CODA, which stands for... Child of a disabled adult. Do we do we have that? Could there be one? Is there is there a thing? Anyway, it stands for Child of a Deaf Adult, and this is a movie that came out in 2021 and had a big impact on deaf actors and the deaf community as a whole. And it was one that I never really got around to watching. And I thought, what better reason to watch it than to watch it on an episode of Popcorn and Power Chairs with you? It won Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor and Best Adapted Screenplay at the 94th Academy Awards. I remember seeing the seeing the praise for it and seeing the speech by one of the actors who plays the dad. His name is Troy. Troy. I'll find out. I'll get his last name in some of it. He, I remember seeing him give, give the speech and talk about how important it was. And I just, I loved it so much. And so... I wanted to see what all the hype about this movie was about. It was this movie was praised by critics for its use of deaf actors in deaf character roles, finally, right? But of course, with any marginalized group and with anything where you have representation, there was there was some polarizations and so it it polarized polari- polarized some deaf viewers and deaf people who saw the film and other CODAs, Child of Deaf Adults, also had things to say, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. But for now, let's watch the trailer and let's crack into 2021's CODA. There's a lot of signing in this trailer, so just before we get to the trailer, I'd recommend pulling it up on YouTube and watching the trailer if you're able to, because you need to see it to understand what the, some of them are saying. So, um, please, uh, watch, watch the trailer as well as listening to it right now. There are plenty of pretty voices with nothing to say. Do you have something to say? 
Sometimes I get a good feeling, yeah. Yeah. I get a feeling that I never, 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 never had before. You were the girl with the dead family? Yeah. yeah. And you sing. Interesting. Something's got a hold on me here. What are you doing next year? Working with my family. Let me tell you now, I've got a feeling I feel so strange. Everything about me seems to have changed. I've been coaching for Berkeley College of Music. I can help you get a scholarship. to have a hearing individual on board at all times. I can't stay with you for the rest of my life. I've never done anything without my family before. So the very first scene, we are swept up and we're on the water right away and we meet a family of fishermen and we see right away that the family of fishermen has two family members that are deaf and they start right away using sign language. And can I just say that I, I need, I mean, I have to be honest, I, I think sign language is one of my most beautiful languages that I've ever observed. I can't do it because of my spastic hands. Signing is really hard for me. I've tried. It's really hard for me to do it, but I think that sign language and ASL and BSL and all the different versions of sign language that there are, I think it's such a beautiful and powerful language and way to communicate. And I wish that I it was something that I could do and physically do, but I can't. So I wanted to do a small little deep dive into sign language. And I read, and I just Googled this, I, there, were, there were a few things that I read. Sign language can be traced back to the 5th century BC, but realistically, it's probably been around forever because deaf people have been around forever. It was really codified properly 
in the 17th century. So the sign language that we know today, obviously it's changed a little bit here and there, but it's been around the the ASL that we understand and different versions of ASL or, you know, French sign language and BSL, British sign language, has been around since about 300 years ago. So it's got some roots. But like I said, deaf people have been around forever. So some version of sign language has been around forever. We follow Ruby, the only hearing member of her family, as she goes through high school. The kids make fun of Ruby for having a deaf family at her high school. You see them mocking her in the first five minutes of the film. Her best friend says to Ruby about a girl who mocked her. Her best friend Gertie says, at least she's not doing deaf voice anymore. Like, fuck, people can be so cruel and so ableist. And so gross, and I wish that people wouldn't do that. But when you're in high school and you're learning about things you don't understand, you can often be cruel. Unfortunately, when you're out of high school and you're learning about things you don't understand, you can often be cruel. But we see in the first five minutes people make fun of her. We learn that both Ruby's parents are deaf, and her mom is played by one of my most favorite actors, Marley Matlin, who I've watched do cool things on my Favorite classic court dramas like Law and Order SVU, The Practice. Marley Madeline is just an actress that I really, really enjoy. And so when I saw her as the mom, I was like, wow, this is awesome. She's great. So we learned that both Ruby's parents are deaf. Ruby's parents pick her up at school and they have rap music blaring in their car. And she yells at them in sign to turn down the music because she's so embarrassed. And I love watching her have a full-on argument with her parents in sign because we don't get to see that very often. And so I just to see that was really cool. And she was like, oh, my God, turn down the music. You're so embarrassing. And we see the kids laugh at her a little bit again and make fun of her, which, you know, so ableisty of kids to be that way and so able, able, so such an able gaze they have. And kids are so cruel like that. But I, I liked seeing... The the sign constantly used throughout. I really thought that was so important and it was really, really fun to watch, frankly. Um, and so Ruby goes to the doctor with her parents in a really funny scene where she has to translate for them and sign for the doctor. And the doctor tells them that they both have jock itch, which when you're 17 and you have to sign for your parents that, that your parents have jock itch, that's kind of gross. But also really funny. I found this scene really enjoyable because how embarrassing for Ruby. But also it highlights how little access we have in the medical field to ASL and to interpretation. That Ruby has to be there at all. And I just thought, you know, in 2021, there should the doctors should have access to an interpreter. And I'm sure today that many doctors don't have access to interpreters, and it should be standard everywhere that this should be included in your healthcare. If you're a deaf person, you, you deserve to have proper interpretation. And then we see Ruby at the dinner table, and she's annoyed with her family and how loud her family is. She also has a brother named Leo who's also deaf, and she's angry with them because they keep making all this noise and they can't hear it, so it doesn't bother them but it bothers her. 
And so then she, her, her dad sits down at the table and he farts. <laughs> and she, she says, she's like, oh, it's gross. <laughs> she's like, oh, it's gross, dad. And he goes, he goes, you know why farts smell? So deaf, <laughs> so deaf people can hear them too. And I just thought that was really funny. Um, I laughed out loud a whole bunch of times in this movie. And that was definitely... <laughs> I definitely laughed at that part for sure. I love how the the family is so expressive with sign. And we, like I said, we rarely see this on film. Or at least I don't see this on film anywhere. So every time I saw them do it, I was really excited. I got very, very excited to see the family sign to one another. Ruby decides to the next day to try out for choir, but her nerves get in the way, and she runs out of choir practice really sad, and her choir teacher is who I thought was a gay male stereotype at the beginning, but he definitely turns out not to be, but I thought he was, which, shame on me. Um, her choir teacher is like, oh, okay, you're leaving? All right, sure. And so then she she... Runs at a choir, and then Ruby sees Ruby comes home and sees her parents have arguing in sign over money and being broke. And the mom says that maybe they should stop fishing, maybe they should sell the boat. And Ruby can see this because she can understand their sign. Um, then she then Ruby goes back to her choir teacher the next day. And he said, hey, what happened to you? Why did you Why did you not show up? And she says that when she was younger, she used to talk funny, and it scared her. And her teacher says, well, you're the kid with the deaf family, right? And that felt really ableist to me. I'm not sure why, but it felt really ableist to have the teacher be like, you're the kid with the deaf family, right? It just was like, could you not give them another characteristic? They're just the deaf family? Wow. And then another scene, the next scene is Ruby's friend thinks her brother Leo is hot, and he is hot. Whoever plays Leo, and I'll find out at the end, he is really hot. And Ruby's friend thinks that Leo's hot and jokes that she can say that out loud because he can't, he can't hear her. So she's like, oh, I can say whatever I want because he can't hear me. It's no big deal. And then so Gertie asks Ruby what the sign is for your, you're so smoking hot. So she can tell Leo, and when she goes to tell him, she actually signs, <laughs> I have herpes. And I thought it was funny because obviously Ruby was playing with her friend. And he goes, well, if you're going to hit on my brother, I'm going to make you say something ridiculous. And she does. Um, and so we see that Ruby has a really good voice, but we can tell that she's afraid to use it. And her music teacher tells her all the time to like talk more and laugh more. But she's worried about being, about sounding weird, about sounding different from what she's used to, I think, at home. And then the next scene, Ruby goes to help her dad and brother at the fish docks. She sees one of the fish vendors is is lowering the price of their catch to Leo and demands that, the, and she demands that they raise the price. He was going to give them two seventy five per pound of fish for the day or something. And she was like, no, no, you have to raise that to three because you were giving someone else 
more before raise our price. And so Leo is embarrassed that she's there and has to stand up for them and he tells her to leave. He's like, please go, please leave. And so Ruby goes outside and sees her dad smoking weed and tells him to stop and he says it's medical and Ruby says, just because you're deaf doesn't make it legal to smoke a fatty in public. And I thought this was funny because we all have to use the disability card somehow. We all have to play the disability card somehow. And if people think that medical marijuana is going to make you less deaf, sure, why not? Use that card. I totally would. I think that's a great idea. So Leo comes out from dealing with the fish vendor and is is mad at Ruby for intervening because he says that it makes him look stupid. And I can understand Leo's point of view, always having to have your sister there to back you up or to help you or to translate for you or to make people think you're serious. I know what that's like, needing, having somebody with me all the time for my care. I certainly understand how hard that can be to need somebody all of the time, to only have them look at you from a non-disabled person's point of view. I've definitely been there. And I understand how that feels. I think anybody with disabilities can understand how it is when you're around able-bodied people, or in their case, hearing people, and you always have them, you always have people looking to the hearing person and, and not actually dealing with you. And I can imagine, I, I, well, I know from my own experience of being a severely disabled person, just how fucking frustrating that can be. Ruby's music teacher, Mr. V, encourages her to go to Berkeley and pursue music. Ruby tries to explain to her music teacher how music makes her feel, and when she does so, she immediately does so through sign, which tells me that she's her emotions come out in sign, and I thought that was really beautiful. I really liked that. Seeing her try to explain something she was really afraid of, and it came out in sign, I thought that was really cool. Um... It made me, again, really jealous that I can sign, and it's a language that I can't use, and I, I wish that I could. Ruby then tells her mom one day, they're sitting at the table, and she goes, Mom, I want to sing. I really like to sing. Singing is my favorite thing. I want to be able to sing. And her, her mom says and signs to her, If I were blind, would you want me to paint? And my immediate thought is, Yeah, if you're blind and you want to paint, go ahead and paint. You should be allowed to. For the mom to be so dismissive because her daughter wants to do something that that maybe the family wouldn't be able to participate in as much feels unfair and feels not very kind. At the same time, when I watched this scene, I immediately found myself wishing that I was watching it from a deaf-centric lens and I wish that it was solely based around not the hearing person and not the coda but rather a deaf person. And, you know, the brother in the film, Leo, is somebody that I really wanted to see more of, and I wanted to see his story develop more. So maybe if they do a Coda 2, they could have the brother, Leo, be the the main character, because he had a lot to say, and I felt like he was sidelined for the needs of the able-bodied character. Leo wants to start a, a fishing business with his dad, a side co-op with his dad, um, and he's like, we should, we should do that. We should do this together. And his dad reminds him that they're the deaf guys. 
They're the joke. Everyone sees them as a joke. And Leo wants to go with some of the other fishermen for drinks. And the dad immediately says, should I get Ruby so she can go with you to translate? And I imagine that must be so frustrating. And on some level, I understand, like I was saying, I understand what it is to need someone like that for every little thing, for drinks with friends. If I went out for drinks with friends, I would definitely need to take somebody with me or hope that my friends could help me drink or hope that my friends could hold a beer to my mouth. I understand the need of needing somebody and wanting to be like, fuck off, I'll figure it out by myself. Don't worry. So Leo goes for drinks with the other fishermen, but quickly realizes that he can't communicate with them, and it's really hard for him. And one of them drunkenly and accidentally pushes into him accidentally, and they get into a fight, and Leo is signing his anger to the other fishermen, but they make fun of him and don't understand. Then Leo gets punched out by one of the other fishermen, by the fishermen that started the fight with him, and then he goes into a bar to fix his, to get ice on his eye, and Gertie, um, Ruby's friend is there, and Gertie's like, oh, you're here, what are you doing here? And they, they start texting each other, and the texting very quickly turns into, like, hot making out, which I was okay with. I liked seeing that, I liked seeing that all of the characters in this film, and we'll get to that in a second, all of the characters in this film are sexual beings, have sexualities, and those are expressed every single one of them, and I I felt that was very important, considering that disabled folks and deaf folks are often seen as not sexual at all. So Ruby brings the cute boy over from, from choir, whose name later we find out is Miles, and they're talking about stuff, and he says to Ruby, do your parents even understand what music is? Okay, I felt like this would be different if it was like 1942 and you really didn't know anything about about deafness, but it's 2021 when this movie came out. How do you not know that deaf people can understand music? I felt like it, that was a little bit like, whoa, how do you, how un- uneducated can you be? But then I remembered all the ableist things people say to me about my disability and realized people just aren't educated unless it's happening to them. So... The friend, Miles, the the cute boy, says to Ruby how cool it is that when they were younger, when they were kids, she would order beers for them, for her parents, and how cool it is that she would do this for them, and how he couldn't even ride the bus when he was their age, but she could order beers for her parents. And the problem I see with this is that Ruby will be lauded as better and noble for helping out, for being the hearing one that does all the things, and, and I hope that the movie doesn't fall in that trope. I really hope it doesn't. But I have a feeling I know where this is going. So, of course, we can sense that Ruby has a crush on the choir guy named Miles. So they're in they're in a room, and Ruby and, and Miles hear her parents having sex, which I thought was hilarious, because you can hear them having sex, and... Miles goes, oh no, is that your mom? Is she okay? And Ruby runs into her parents' room and starts flashing the light so they can see it. And they stop having sex. And you can see them having sex and they stop having sex. <laughs> they stop. And the next scene is they go downstairs to sit with, Ru- with Ruby and Miles. And they sit across from each other. And the parents talk to her about the sex they were having with Miles in the room. And it was so embarrassing. 
and so funny. And the dad tells the says, "What are your intentions with my daughter? What are you doing here?" And Miles starts to laugh, and the dad says, "You sh- you need to like, you need to like put a condom on. You need to be careful." And it was funny because the parents were having sex, not the kids. And I just thought the way they flipped that around was funny. It was really funny. Miles, at school the next day, obviously has told some of the kids about Ruby's parents having sex and the signs because the mean girls at school start making fun of them and the family and start making fun of her. And Ruby goes angrily to her her choir teacher. She's like, well, fuck you. If you're going to be rude to me, I'm going to leave. And she goes to her choir teacher and is like, what do I do? And Ruby tells her teacher, Mr. V, how when she was younger, she used to talk like a deaf person, which means wrong or ugly. And she used to feel like her voice when she was younger, like a deaf person was wrong or ugly. And I hated that. I hated that part because I don't think deaf people speaking is wrong or ugly or a problem. And I think, you know, her being a, teeni- a teenager and having translated her whole life and her feeling stuck as the translator, I know why she said it that way, but I think for audiences to hear her say, I felt like my voice was wrong or ugly because it might have been perceived as a deaf voice felt unfair to me. So then the next scene is Ruby translates for her dad and brother at a fisherman meeting. I don't know why they're having a fisherman meeting. I didn't even know why they did that. But I guess if fishing is your job, you would have a fisherman meeting at some point. And Ruby translates for them in this meeting. And Ruby and her dad and brother tell the other fishermen that they're going to double the prices of the other fishermen's fish for the day they're going to start their own co-op and then they go home and tell Marley Madeline and she's really mad about it and she explains that she doesn't want to do this because she doesn't want to work with those hearing bitches and Ruby says well maybe if you didn't call them hearing bitches and I felt seen when I watched this scene because that's how I feel when disabled people call non-disabled people the ables I feel like if we're going to create division that way, we can't do that. And when Marley Madeline calls the other hearing people the hearing bitches, I'm like, well, that doesn't help anything. That only makes it worse. And when we, as disabled people, call non-disabled people the ables, it doesn't make it any better either. That's just my take on it, and that's how I feel. So Miles tries to apologize to Ruby, and expl- and Ruby explains to him how hard it is to have to protect her family from the mean things people say because they can't hear it, but she can hear it, so she knows how hard it is for them. But they don't know. And then the, they, they decide to do the co-op, and the news comes to do a story on the family, and Ruby is asked by her mom to translate, and she's like, I can't translate because I have to go to music practice. I can't. And the mom goes, well, do you want us all to fail? Do you want us to fail? How could you leave us right now? And it's really frustrating that that they're putting all this pressure on Ruby. I also think 
that in 2021, if you want somebody to communicate with, you can all, everybody can pull out their phone and do it that way. It's There are ways in 2021 to communicate that don't rely on sign. So Ruby says, okay, I'll stay and help you. And she skips her music class and she goes to help the family, but she gets distracted because her music teacher is like, where are you? Why are you in music class? And she starts texting with her music teacher and then her family can't communicate with the news broadcaster because she's not paying attention. And this just highlights again how inaccessible the world is. Why doesn't the news studio that's going to see the family have an ASL interpreter on staff or have somebody that could do this for them? There's no excuse for that. Not in 2021. They could hire somebody. They could bring somebody in. That doesn't make any sense. I would have said back to the newscaster, if I was Ruby, I would have been like, yo, you're violating the Americans with Disabilities Act. Where is your where is your interpreter? Why do you have somebody? You, you knew you were going to interview a deaf family about the business. Where? Why didn't you make accommodations? They're violating the ADA, and I understand why nobody in the film said you're violating the ADA. Ruby tells her parents that she wants to go to music school and she wants to do it, and they tell her she can't go now because she is she's who's going to interpret for them and she says they're only worried about losing their free interpreter they're not they don't care what she wants that all they want is free interpretation which i get and i get why from her standpoint that would be frustrating and how frustrating it would be to have to constantly be the one that your family has to lean on ruby says that she's exhausted from interpreting since she was a little girl and she's very, very tired. And again, I can imagine just how tiring that would be to be the one that has to do all of that all the time to make sure that they're understood, to make sure that they understand things, to make sure that they're being heard properly. I, mean, I can imagine that that's a lot of pressure. The mom and dad fight about what happens when she leaves. The mom says, our baby can't leave. And the dad says, she never was a baby. And I think that this is an important point for both disabled and non-disabled people who live with disabled folks to think about. Both of these groups grow up way too fast. So, disabled people grow up way too fast because they have to have care and they have to be cared for and that changes the way we see the world. And non-disabled people who live with disabled people also grow up too fast because it changes the world they live in too. And I think that's something that both groups and both communities have to think about. So then Leo and his dad go out on the boat with an at-sea monitor, which is somebody who makes sure that they are doing all the right things. And they go out with an at-sea monitor who's not deaf and doesn't know they're deaf. And I don't think they... They don't tell her that they're deaf initially because they don't want to be taken off the off the job and they don't want to lose money. So they haven't been telling people that they're working deaf. Which, again, if they just had cited the ADA, like, wouldn't they get some sort of support? Wouldn't If they just said they needed accommodation, wouldn't they get this accommodation immediately? But again, I understand the fear of asking for an accommodation and not getting it. So I don't think they told anybody they were working deaf or, like, told the superiors that they're working deaf and so 
They told this Etsy monitor that they were deaf because she tries to talk to them, but she can't understand them and they can't understand her. And so he, the dad writes down in, in one of her books that they're deaf. And as a result, she calls the Coast Guard on them, which I found to be really annoying. Um, and while all this is happening, Ruby's pissed off and doesn't go to work with him that day. And she goes off with the cute... Miles to go have a sexy romantic moment together, um, which I thought was really cute. And they have a cute like teen romantic moment together. But again, I wouldn't wanted to. See, I wanted to see this from a deaf person's point of view. So there's one scene way before where Leo and Gertie may go, and I kind of wanted them to be the main characters. I wanted to see how Leo and his non-disabled or non-deaf girlfriend um, would, you know, navigated that. So I really wished that they had flipped the script a little bit and made the deaf character the lead that we were supposed to focus on. So then, because the at-sea monitor called the Coast Guard, they got their uh, license suspended and the family has a big fight about it because they get their license suspended and Ruby feels trapped and blamed. They say to Ruby, well, why weren't you there helping us? Why didn't you help us? You knew that we needed you and you weren't there. And she was like, this can't all rest on my shoulders. It's not all my fault. Please don't make it all my fault. And so they go to a hearing and the Coast Guard says they were operating their boat neg negligently due to, quote, he says, you're operating your boat negligently due to your disability. Ew, what? No, they were operating the boat fine just because the Coast Guard couldn't communicate with them. That's not their problem. So they're fined like 3000 bucks to do all this. And then, and then they, as they're being fined, the Coast Guard says, well, you need a, you need a hearing person on deck with you all, at all times. Do you have that person? And Ruby says... Oh, no, no, I'll stay and I'll take care of it. I'll do it. Don't worry. Ruby says she'll do it. And so then at dinner, after Ruby says she'll stay and she won't go off to college, Leo gets pissed off and he's like, well, you're the saint. You always are going to run in and save us. You're always going to take care of us. That's not fair. And he gets all upset and he feels upset because he's the older brother, but He's not being treated like the older brother. And he says it later in the movie. And we'll get to that. Um, and then, then the next scene is. Ruby asks her mom. If her mom wishes she were deaf. And the mom says. Well yeah I did wish you were deaf. Not because I wanted you not to be able to hear. But because I wanted you and I. To connect more readily than we do. I wanted us to have a connection. And I wanted us to feel close. My mom and I aren't close, and that's because she's not deaf. And I wanted you and I to be close. And so when you came out in the hospital and they said you weren't deaf, my heart sank. And I thought that that was a really important part of the story also. So and during that scene, Ruby's mom worries that being deaf would make her a bad mom, and she was worried that, you know, she would be a bad mom because she was deaf and she worried about all these things. And, you know, I feel that way about my physical disabilities and being a father and having kids. I feel like I would be a really bad parent because I'm disabled. And it's something 
that I struggle with constantly, those feelings. So then Leo and Ruby fight because Leo says to Ruby, well, I feel like a baby. I feel like I'm not supported. We were fine before you were born. The family was fine before you got here. You don't need to support us all the time. I can figure stuff out. I'm the older brother. Let me let me do stuff. And, and I felt that way with my brothers too. I felt like I'm the older brother, but because I need help, I get treated like the younger brother. And so I definitely understand where Leo's coming from. He wants to stand up and be a man and be a grown-up, but he worries his family doesn't see him that way because he can't hear. And so Ruby and Leo have this big fight about it, and they get kind of talk it out, and then it gets okay. So then the family, they all go to Ruby's fall concert, but because the family can't hear her, they start talking about the drugs. <laughs> it was a really funny scene. She's singing her heart out to her family, and they can't hear her at all because they're deaf. So they they... Start and they start signing about what they're gonna have for dinner and what they're gonna have for groceries, and I thought that was really funny because of course you would if you can't hear and you can't understand what's happening. Of course you'd do something else, and I just thought that was funny. Um, and then when they're seeing the concert, they do a whole like two minutes where all of the singing is muted and there's no sound, and you just see what the deaf people are experiencing and I thought that was really important because people need to be reminded in cinema how disabled people are feeling and I think putting that artistic spin on it of making it all silent for two minutes would be great. I'd love to see a movie where the whole movie is silent, the whole movie is done in sign and I'm sure there are films out there like that but I'd like to see a big budget film like that do something brave like that but I understand that we're not quite there yet, but we could easily be there. We should be there. But I thought that that scene in particular where you, where it's all muted was really, really powerful. Uh, and so you can see when they're all watching her at her concert, you can see that the dad is very frustrated that he cannot hear his daughter. You can see he's upset because he wants to hear his daughter. He wants to support her, but he can't hear her. So, I can understand why that would be frustrating. So frustrating. Imagine, you know that your kid loves to sing, and you can't fully understand or participate in that. How fucking annoying must that be? The music teacher, Mr. B, then goes to thank her parents for coming to the show, and he signs, he means to sign, thank you for coming, and he accidentally signs nice to fuck you or he, he no he means to sign nice to meet you and he accidentally signs nice to fuck you which I thought was funny I would definitely fuck up a sign for sure um and then after that happens Ruby and her dad are home from the event and he they're sitting outside and he says can you sing the song for me so I can hear it and he puts his hands on her neck so he can feel the vibrations of her singing. And I love that scene so much because it brought them closer. And that is a scene that when they were doing it, and I watched it a couple times, I cried so like deeply when I watched that because it was just nice and it really was a nice tearjerker. 
And the family goes to Ruby's audition for Berkeley. So they go to her audition for Berkeley and they sneak in to see her sing. And then she signs the song for her family when she notices them. And I, I have to say, that scene got me for sure. And then she she gets into Berkeley and everything's fine and the family moves on and, and they all say goodbye and that's the end of the movie. Um, but I really liked it. I thought it was a really good movie. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I, I will say that my criticism, along with many other people that saw the film, said, you know, it should have been done from a deaf perspective. So many times throughout the film, we're watching Ruby, we're going through the eyes of the non-disabled character, and I feel like that's a problem. But I also understand how you have to to comfort an audience a little bit when you're making a film like this, because they're not ready for the reality sometimes. You have to kind of hold their hand a bit. So I understand the trouble that the studio may have had putting it from a solely disabled lens right away. But I think, you know, there is an opportunity to redo this movie in like 20 years and have them do it from the non-disabled lens. Or like I've been saying, just do Coda 2 where the hot deaf brother is the lead. I would totally watch that movie. Um, the criticism from the disabled community and the deaf community is that it was too popcorny, too proud, too crowd pleasing. To that I say, why aren't disabled people allowed to have a crowd-pleasing, simple, easy movie? Why does it have to be so deep and intense all the time? I feel like we are allowed to have movies that are just popcorn flicks about disability. And yeah, this this should have done some things differently, but I think it got some things right. And I'm now I want to read what Marley Matlin says about the film because she has some things to say. So let me read what she says and the the other actors too marley matlin says they came to her and they asked if she would be okay with having two hearing actors play her family and she said if you do that i'm walking if you don't put proper deaf representation in this film i am not doing it and i thought that was so powerful and i thought good for her that takes fucking balls she stood up and said, no, no, it has to be done the right way or I'm not doing it. And I just think that was great. She said that this is a movie she's been waiting to make for 34 years of her career. She's usually, she's used to playing the deaf token character, but in this movie, she leads the film and in a way she does. I kind of wish they would have, they would have focused in more on her and more on the deaf characters, frankly, but in a way, she does carry the film. I just wanted to see more of the deafness portrayed properly. That's my biggest takeaway from this film. But I loved it. And I would give it... I would give it four out of five power chairs for this one. Um, you can definitely... It's streamable now on Apple TV. And I'm sure you can find it other places. Um, let me know what you thought about it. Let me know what you thought about Coda. Because I... Really enjoyed it, but I thought they could do it a little bit differently. Alright, friends. Well, that's another episode of Popcorn and Power Chairs. We'll see you in two weeks for the next one. If you want to write in and let me know what kind of movie you want to watch or want to have me review or whatever other piece of media you'd like me to review, 
email me with the subject line popcorn and power chairs review suggestion to andrewandandergerza.com. Thanks for listening, friends. We'll be back next week for episode 338 and in two weeks for popcorn and power chairs. Bye!